We're beginning a new series this morning titled Under the Influence. And, and this series is all about learning how to live under the influence of the Spirit. We'll be in this series for several weeks, dipping into passages throughout uh, the Bible. Uh, we're just so grateful for this time that we can spend. I've been so blessed just in our gathering already to be able to sing these songs of praise with this amazing worship team um, and to be led uh, in worship this way, to be able to gather together as a community, to know that our children are being ministered to. And oh, by the way, children are dismissed to local kids. <laughs> I was supposed to make that announcement. They're probably already gone. Uh, so, but what a privilege it is to gather together and, and to press in together and to be renewed and refreshed week in and week out. This is, we need this time. Um, and now as we gather around the word in this new series, will you do something? Will you, will you just uh, pray with me now that the Lord would help shape us as a church community to be a spirit-dependent people? recognizing the Spirit's presence and power working in us and through us. And so let's just begin our time that way. Father, we pray that we would be a Spirit-dependent church community. We're a Spirit people. We've been gifted with your very presence. Lord, help us to walk dependent, to live dependent on you. Shape us as a church community. Lord, renew us, envision us, Lord, inspire us all by your presence and power. Help us, Lord, to frequently ask you to renew us and to fill us. To, Lord, let that be the ongoing request of our hearts and lives. Lord, that you would continue to build us as a church that is eagerly making disciples who make disciples and dreaming about multiplication and, and Lord, all of these things. But it's all a work of your spirit. We're so dependent on you. We recognize that in this place here. And so we pray, Lord, that you would, by your spirit, guide us, open our eyes, encourage us through your word today. In Christ's name, amen. Well, maybe you are brand new to Christianity and you're learning how to walk. You're learning how to live in light of who you've become now in Christ. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time and you've grown weary. You're a bit callous. Maybe you feel stagnant, you lack motivation, or you feel like you've plateaued. Convictions don't run as deep, affections have been diminished, or maybe you're pursuing maturity in Christ and pressing in like never before. Regardless of what category you identify with, our need is the same. It's the same. We need the ongoing practice of being filled with the Spirit. That's what we need. But what does that mean? And how do we go about it? So over the next several weeks, we're going to explore what it means to live under the influence of the Spirit. And we'll, we'll look at habits of expressed dependency and what those habits produce in the life of a follower of Jesus. And so let's begin in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God... As beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. 
Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, or that is, an idolater, who has, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partakers or partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Two points this morning I trust will help us walk through this passage. One, the call to reflect who you've become. And two, the practice of being filled with the Spirit. First, the call to reflect who you've become. Paul's concern for the church in Ephesus, for the Ephesians, was how they were walking, living. The verb to walk here is commonly used to refer to a whole way of life. It has to do with a person's behavior, their lifestyle, how they live. And if we were to back up here in chapter 4, verse 17, Paul has already addressed them and, and, and said that, look, they shouldn't walk or live or behave as those who don't know Jesus, callous and given over to greed and sensuality and impurity. He's saying, no, that's not the way you learned Christ. No, you were taught, instead you were taught to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self. In other words, what he's writing to them is that you have a new identity and a calling in Christ Jesus, so walk it out, live it out. Ephesians 4 verse 30, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by living in bitterness and unforgiveness and slander. Instead, chapter 5 verse 1, where we picked up, be imitators of God. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Instead, be imitators of God as beloved children of God. Verse 2 of chapter 5, walk or live in love as Christ loved us. How did Christ love us? We learned it in John 13 with a self-giving, sacrificial kind of love. He was on his hands and his knees. He was washing their feet. He says, I do this as an example for you with his disciples. So we're to walk or live in love as Christ loved us. He gave up his life for us. And then in verse 7 of Ephesians 5, he says, walk or live as children of light. 
So in other words, he's saying, reflect who you've become in Christ Jesus. You are children loved by God. You are children of light. So reflect the reality, the fact that you are loved by God and you are children of light. And he, from verses 3 all the way through 14, he's getting real with them. He's hitting on some really personal uh, topics. He, he doesn't hold back from the Ephesians. Why? Because he loves them. He's loving them. And then he quotes what seems to be a fragment of a hymn or a worship song that they would sing in their gatherings in verse 14. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I love the thought that this was a fragment or a verse that they would sing, one of their worship songs. A song that served as a wake-up call for them, a reminder to those in Christ Jesus saying this, you have been raised from death to life. So live alive and awake. Live aware, shaken out of slumber and stirred out of indifference and apathy, out of carelessness and sin. You've been brought into the light of Jesus, so now live wide awake to Jesus. Wake me up out of my complacency and indifference, out of any passivity. I mean, that, that's a good prayer. Wake me up, Lord. Wake me up. Stir me, Lord, out of indifference, out of giving myself over to things that I know don't honor you. Living carelessly. Wake me up. What a, what a good prayer. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk or live. Look carefully. Don't live carelessly or unthinkingly aimless and unaware or indifferent. Instead, live thoughtfully and in intentionally. This is going to require conviction. It's going to require discipline on your part. Then he says, walk or live in wisdom. And then in verse 16, making the best use of your time. So in other words, look, you only have so much time. You only have so much time. So how will you spend it? Knowing the days are evil, I mean, just read the news. Watch the news. We live in a broken world. Knowing the days are evil, honor God with the moment, with the moment. Whatever moment you've been given to do good, to walk in love, to serve others. One author says that we have an opportunity to do something about the evil around us, and we do. We have an opportunity to do something about the evil around us. Will we live as children of light, children who are loved by God? How is that shaping us? Now, if we live carelessly, if we live indifferent or lazy about our spiritual lives, we will be caught, we will be caught in the tide of cultural influence. Oh, we will. We will grow callous. We will move away from the beauty and the wonder of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. We'll move away from the reality of our identity and our calling found in Christ Jesus. We will move away from it. But we don't want to move away from it. Verse 17, understand what the will of the Lord is. At one time, God's will did not matter to you. It didn't matter to me. But now it does. Hopefully more than anything else in this life. Understand what the will of the Lord is, is what he's saying. 
Now, you might say, well, what's my vocation going to be in a few years? Where am I going to live? Who am I going to marry? That's not what we're talking about. Understand the revealed will of the Lord. What we know is true. What he has called us to. Understand what it is. It should matter to us more than anything. And we're taught to pray this way by Jesus himself. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth here in St. Pete as it is in heaven. Let your will be done, Lord. Are you eager to know his will? Are you eager to discover and to follow God's revealed will? Can you say, I want to live wide awake to you, Jesus? Uh, Wake me up. Wake me up. Help me to live wide awake to you. I want to reflect who I've become in you. Can you say that? I want us to say that. I want us to be able to, to, to say that and to desire that in our lives. Well, we're going to, it's, we're going to need help in this. <laughs> and that leads to point two, the practice of being filled with the Spirit. Look with me again in verse 18. And, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. A contrast is being made here. An illustration is given. It has everything to do with living filled, living under the influence. Drunkenness requires drinking, taking in alcohol, deliberately looking to alcohol to escape problems or to forget sorrows or to find courage in in the face of fear or to experience pleasure. And what he's saying is, instead of doing that, be filled with the Spirit. He's saying, come under the influence of the Spirit. So if, if you're driving under the influence and you're pulled over, the authorities are going to run a few tests to determine whether or not you're under the influence. Your behavior will give away. There'll be signs. There'll be these, these uh, I, things that you do that will give away that you are under the influence. And the same is true as we lean on the presence and power of God in our lives. Are we going to come under the influence of God's presence and power? See, followers of Jesus have been given the Spirit, and yet we're told here to be filled with the Spirit, to live under the influence of the Spirit. To be under the influence of something, it requires you to take it in, to submit to it in some form or fashion. Hear, hear that. To be under the influence of, of something, it requires you to, to submit to it in some form or fashion. So who or what are we submitting to? Are you submitting to? Be filled with the Spirit. Now, some might imagine the Spirit as an impersonal power or force, something to harness and control on the level of an it or a thing. And oftentimes, that misunderstanding is due to symbolic imagery that we find in Scripture. Um, Describes the Spirit's presence or work. Words like the Spirit being poured out or being baptized with the Spirit or symbols that were given in Scripture that describe the Spirit's presence like that of fire or wind or water or a dove. The Bible describes the Spirit as God's personal presence with us and for us. 
That's who the Spirit is. The Spirit is distinct from but equal with the Father and the Son. And he is actively, intimately involved in the lives of followers of Jesus. And there is no such thing as a follower of Jesus without the Spirit. Just let that sink in. Turn with me one page to your left. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In him, in Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel, the good news about Jesus, of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. What's going on here? When you put your faith and trust in Jesus as Savior, you are given the Spirit, and the Spirit is described as a guarantee. This is the promised Spirit. We'll get to that in a moment, why the Spirit is referred to as the promised Spirit. He is the guarantee of our inheritance in Christ Jesus. The guarantee of our inheritance. The thing that I like to relate this to, or the thing that this reminds me of, is actually one October evening, when I asked Valerie to marry me over 23 years ago, I gave her a ring. And it was a guarantee. My hope was that in two months we'd be married. It was a lot longer than that. (laughs) It was a guarantee that one day we would be married. And we were. It was a guarantee of what was to come. A reminder. The Spirit is a guarantee. Guarantee we who are in Christ Jesus are spirit people. Now, I want us to just follow the thread for a few minutes here of the Holy Spirit throughout the biblical storyline. I want us to go back even, you don't have to turn there, but in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, the Spirit was present and active at creation. The Spirit's hovering over the darkness and the chaos, bringing life out of darkness, order out of chaos. The Hebrew word used there is ruach. The Greek is pneuma. It means wind or breath. The idea is an invisible, powerful energy necessary for life. A powerful wind, a sustaining breath. This is God's special presence and activity from the opening pages of scripture, his spirit. And then as we continue to follow that thread throughout the storyline of the Bible, individuals are filled or empowered by the Spirit for special tasks. Interpreting dreams, carrying out creative artistic works, the building of the tabernacle, leading others, prophesying, saying what God wants to say to his people. And then this group called the prophets, you know, Maybe you've read Isaiah or Jeremiah or Malachi. You know, the prophets, they spoke of a time when God would establish a new covenant, a new covenant, and would dwell within his people by his spirit. And so there was this anticipation growing in the hearts of those who heard those prophetic words and were longing for what God would do in the hearts of his people. And so later in the New Testament, what happens? The spirit is present at Jesus' baptism where we saw the Spirit hovering over the waters of creation, 
over the darkness and the chaos of Genesis 1, verse 2. Now when Jesus is in the waters of baptism, by the way, for you and I, that the Spirit is hovering like a dove over the one who will bring new creation life, over the one who will bring order out of our chaos, light out of darkness. Then in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus tells his disciples, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, when, you, when, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. It'll begin here, but it'll spread throughout the world. On the day of Pentecost, the day when they would celebrate God's covenant with Israel, the giving of the law, 50 days, this is 50 days after Jesus' crucifixion, that moment happened, the new covenant began. The spirit was given. And now every follower of Jesus has the spirit, the presence of God. And the spirit continues to bring order out of chaos, light where there's darkness, and he's doing it in St. Pete. He's doing it through you, through us. We are a spirit people. I don't know what walking through this biblical theology of the Holy Spirit and following the thread does to you, but it lights a fire in my heart, stirs me up. So back in Ephesians 5, verse 18, we're told, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. But it's not as if we're given smaller portions of the Spirit at salvation and then larger portions later on in life. We're not talking about a two-tiered Christianity where some have the Spirit, and those are Spirit-filled people, and, and then these are not. That's not what we're talking about here. And yet, we're told to be filled with the Spirit. So what's going on? This is about coming under the influence. This is about finding strength and empowerment to walk out our faith in every area of our lives. We're to do this repeatedly, persistently, on every needful occasion. The command here to be filled, it's a, it's a present imperative. In other words, it's a command that is expected to be followed, not once, but as an ongoing process. It's like a doctor who tells you, okay, eat healthy food. And you're like, well, all right, I did that one time. That, that one time. No, eat healthy food. This isn't a one and done thing. If you want to experience health and vibrancy in life, it's, it's meant to be the everyday experience of every follower of Jesus. It's meant to be the ongoing practice and habit of our lives, to be filled with the Spirit. It's like deciding to go work um, on your yard all morning long. You don't eat breakfast. You don't drink anything. And after a few hours, you're just up. You're just worn out. You're like, what's wrong with me? Am I sick? What's going on? No, you didn't eat. You didn't drink. That's why you're so exhausted. Or it's like hiking a treacherous trail in your flip-flops, not realizing that you have hiking boots in your backpack. You wonder, wait, oh, I got these boots. Should I put them on? Yeah, put them on. You need to put your boots on. That's my prayer for you, for me, that we'd put our boots on. That we would live under the influence of the Spirit. That we would see the resource and the strength that he is. He 
He is not an it or a thing. He's not ours to harness and control. He's not an impersonal force. We're talking about the presence of God. His presence and power. Now look, Ephesians 5 has been on my heart for you, local church. It's been on my heart for you for months. It's an honor to, to, to pastor you, to, to lead in preaching. And I'm just so grateful that the Lord would, would use me this way. I'm humbled. It, but it's such a privilege to be like a co-laborer with you as well, to be a partner in the gospel. But what an honor to hold high passages that I, I believe the Spirit has for us in a particular season, and this is one of them. This is one of them. How are we going to maintain a disciple-making vision here at Local? How are we going to maintain a culture of multiplication? Because that's our heart. That's our desire. How are we going to grow in our desire to know and obey King Jesus? It's all by his spirit. It's all by his spirit. Jesus was so excited to depart, to ascend, and give the gift of the spirit. Turn with me to John chapter 14. We can read of Jesus' excitement. He says in verse 15 of, of John 14, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus refers to the Spirit as our helper. That word, it means advocate. It's one who pleads the cause of another. Who stands in our defense. The Spirit is called and sent to assist us in this life that we're called to live. As I reviewed this just, just yesterday afternoon, I'm, I'm always reviewing the sermon on Saturday afternoon. Just the, I, I was just ministered to as I thought about this beautiful truth. As the Lord just, just drilled it into my heart yesterday. Darren, you are not alone. You are not alone. We are not alone. We have a helper, a counselor, an advocate, an intercessor. God the Spirit. One of the most common prayers that I pray is this, Spirit, fill me. Fill me. What am I asking for? Strengthen me. Enable me. Empower me. I can't do this on my own. You are my source. You are my strength. It begins with a recognition of his presence. That's where it starts. Sometimes I recognize his presence when I'm just pumping gas. Maybe no one around me knows that that's what I'm doing, but I know what I'm doing. God, you're near. You're with me. Sometimes I'm playing with the kids, exhausted from a long day. Spirit, you're with me. Oftentimes it's when I'm just walking around my block by myself. Just, Spirit, I need you. You're with me. It's the recognition that we cannot do this on our own, that we need help. It's deliberately looking to God's presence and power to strengthen 
and shape us individually and as a community. And it begins with recognizing his presence. It begins with acknowledging the good gift that he is. You know, in the book of Acts, which is the story of the early church, those first followers of Jesus, it, 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 they're often described as being filled with the Spirit. And I just love that. It's in the midst of opposition. Sometimes it's before a big decision regarding the mission of the gospel. The result is always courage and joy. And as I read that, I'm like, I want that. I want that for me. I want that for the church that I get to serve and come alongside. It was the norm for those first followers of Jesus. After he had ascended, he said, I'm going to send a helper. I'm going to send the promised Holy Spirit. And he did. And then there were moments in the midst of opposition and decision-making and expressed dependency where the Spirit came in a special way and filled them with courage and joy. I want that to happen here. When we face opposition, when we face decisions in regards to the mission of the gospel, when we lack strength, courage, and joy, can this be the disposition of our heart and life? Fill me, Lord. Fill us. We, we recognize your presence and power. We need you today, here and now. We're going to learn about this later, but in Acts 4, they were praying in light of this great opposition that was against them. They prayed a prayer something like this. Lord, you see this? You, you hear what they're saying? You, you see what just happened, Lord? And, and they didn't pray for safety. They didn't pray for God to, like, strike down their enemy. They prayed for courage to speak the word of God boldly. And that's another sermon, but we'll get there. Being filled, living under the influence of God's presence and power, it involves surrender. There I said it. I said the S word. Surrender. <laughs> Submitting our agenda Submitting our time, submitting our very life, it's relinquishing our perceived rights and surrendering to his presence and power. It's recognizing our need to rest, not in ourselves, but in God's presence and power. And it looks like abiding in Christ. It looks like delighting in his promises. It looks like celebrating the truths of the gospel, taking in, drinking in what is true about Jesus. And that is, this is ongoing. This is meant to be continuous. And it can involve singing. It did involve singing this morning, didn't it? It can involve prayer, and it should involve prayer. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. It most definitely re involves reflecting on God's word. And in this sister letter, we could say, of Colossians, which would have been circulated in the city of Ephesus as well and read there. Paul says it this way. Instead of saying, be filled with the Spirit, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's what he says. We're going to explore that next Sunday. What does it mean to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly? What does all this produce? It produces songs of praise. It produces a community that's filled with thanksgiving. It produces a community that is submitting one to another. Humility being exhibited. It produces a people that are living in reverence to Jesus. That's, that's what Paul gets into in Ephesians 5. This is what a life of living under the influence of the Spirit produces, and, and, and so much more. So there's this constant drift towards self-sufficiency that we have to actively fight against. 
There's a temptation to move away from a dependency on the Spirit. But what if, what if we begin like never before, church, to move forward with this Spirit dependence, a recognition of the Spirit's presence and power, and a surrender to Him, an eagerness for the Spirit to move in us and through us, to fill us with the courage and the joy that we need to walk out the mission that he has called us to in St. Pete. What will happen? Only good things. Only beautiful things. Because he's still bringing order out of chaos and light and life out of darkness. So maybe you didn't know about the spirit, not this way. Now you do. You're not alone. You have a helper. Maybe you never understood the resource that we've been given. Now you do. We're not doing this in our own strength. You kidding me? We can't. Maybe you've been neglecting this practice. You've been ignoring his presence. But what if we sang the song of Ephesians 5? Awake, O sleeper. Wake up. Wake up to the beauty and to the reality of who Jesus is and the resource he's given us in the Spirit. Will we form habits of express dependency on the Spirit? Don't you want to move in that? Are you learning to walk? Are you learning how to live in light of who you've become in Christ Jesus? Are you stagnant? Do you feel like you've just plateaued? Or are you pursuing maturity in Jesus and pressing in like never before, regardless of how you feel? Our need is the same. It's to be filled with the Spirit. To look to the presence and power of God the Spirit who's with us, who is our advocate, who stands with us, and, and to ask him to fill us. Now, maybe you're here exploring the truths of Christianity and all of this is new to you. Well, what's my encouragement to you? Well, my encouragement to you is to put your faith in Jesus today. That's a work of the Spirit. Jesus met with a religious leader in John 3 who was trying to figure Jesus out. And Jesus said, you must be born of the Spirit. You must be born again. He's just like, what? What's that about? It's about surrender to the rescuer who is Jesus, the Son of God. And that is a work of the Holy Spirit. And you're like, if you're thinking, okay, that's, that, I, I want that. That's a work of the Spirit. And you might wonder, how do I go about that? You go about that with a posture of humility and, and an acknowledgement that Jesus is the Son of God who died in your place and rose again. And you're saying, I, I need you. I want to follow you. I don't have it all figured out, but I, I know that this is what I want. That's a work of the Spirit. Do it today. Do it now. Now, for any of us, in this room who have already done that, that, if that's the work of the Spirit, being born of the Spirit, coming to faith in Jesus is a work of the Spirit, then why wouldn't everything that follows after continue to be the work of the Spirit in our lives? He is active. He is present. A lifestyle of dependence on the Spirit, on God's presence and power, living filled with the Spirit, Will we put this on repeat? Will it become the ongoing practice of our lives? It's meant to be. Let me pray. Spirit of God, we ask 
First, that you would help us to slow down enough to recognize your presence in our day. And we ask that we would be a people that are leaning on your strength, that you would renew our joy and our courage and our resolve to live in a way that reflects who we become in Jesus. We want to take in, we want to drink in the beautiful truths that are found in Christ. Help us, Lord, to establish these habits of express dependency on you. Living our lives increasingly under the influence of the Spirit, we pray. Will you do that in us? Would you help us to move forward as a church, a spirit-dependent people, empowered by your presence and power? In Christ's name.